0: We're talking with John McCutcheon, a very longtime friend and supporter of KVMR Radio. John's going to be performing at the Center for the Arts this Saturday, 7 p.m. and a benefit for KVMR. John, always thank you so much.
1: Oh, you're welcome. It's a treat to get back to the Grass Valley, Nevada City area. And of course, to work with Peter Wilson and the Center for the Arts and the cherry on the top is that it's all going to benefit KVMR.
0: Yeah, wonderful stuff. So the first question i got to ask you is, how many baseball gloves do you own?
1: <laughs> I own two. Well, I own two, and I have my catcher's mitt from when I was a kid.
0: Really? Really? So you've yeah, got Yeah. And, and well, it, the, and I
1: have, I have to have that one because it's got Del Crandall's
0: signature on it. My gosh. So cool stuff. You always have to have two gloves, I, I tell people, because you can't play catch with one glove. You need a ball and two gloves.
1: Well, I actually, my my two grandchildren who live nearest me, each have a glove, and it lives at my house. And when we, when they come over, you know, I I I never played catch with my dad. He was a traveling salesman. I had a I had a rubber ball and the side of the house until my mother kicked me over to the the school playground. (laughs) So it's it's uh, playing catch is a loaded thing for me, and I. My sons and I played catch endlessly in our front yard when they were growing up. And uh, so my grandkids are uh, suffering the same fate.
0: I bring it all up because, of course, you had an album called Sermon on the Mound, which was just baseball tunes.
1: Yep, yep. And I have not stopped writing baseball tunes, actually. I just My next recording project is going to be with Tom Paxton. He and I have been writing every Monday afternoon for almost two years now. And we, um, a writing session for us is an hour long, and we spend the first at least 20, 25 minutes talking sports, telling jokes, and just catching up. And then we write for about, you know, anywhere from 15 to 35 minutes. And we keep revisiting sports allegorical stories. And um, yeah, they, keep, they just keep coming up. It's quite remarkable.
0: Well, that's great to hear that uh, Tom's retirement is going so well, since I did his retirement interview six or seven years ago, it seems.
1: (laughs) And, you know, he's still out there doing it. And, in fact, we're talking about maybe this tour next year doing it with Tom, which would be a treat for me.
0: Oh, that would be wonderful, yeah.
1: uh, He recently turned 85, and he's still writing. He's the easiest person I've ever written with. And the fact that he's one of my best pals is just a you know, a bow on the whole thing. He's my hero in that he proves to me every Monday afternoon that writing songs and being creative is something you can do your entire life. I mean, I mean, we could have been football players or something. (laughs) We'd be be retired for decades by now. So, yeah, feel pretty. It's it's a it's a joy to write with him.
0: Okay, so my second question is, how many different musical instruments do you own?
1: Oh, God, I have absolutely no idea. I'm not a collector, and I'm not, uh, you know, like my buddy Steve Earle is like, kind of like a guitar hoarder. He's got three or four hundred, I think he told me, four hundred guitars. And he moved from Nashville to Greenwich Village, and I saw him on the street one day and I said, what do you do with all your instruments? He said, I had to buy a house in Woodstock.
0: To put <laughs> just to put the instruments.
1: And, and in fact, I'm just going through a thing with a concertina right now, a really beautiful instrument made in Scotland, um, that I'm, I'm actually sending back to the builder, because I said, this is too beautiful an instrument for me to play this rarely. So I have this kind of ethical thing where if I'm not playing an instrument regularly, it would be wrong for me to keep it because it needs to sing. But I have, I'm sitting in my studio here and, oh golly, I've got probably 20 different instruments of all different sorts, mandolas, mandolins. I have a a, a nickel harpa and a hardanger fiddle and different banjos and auto harps and different things around. And I play them. Uh, On a regular basis, just because I'm a great lover of sound.
0: So on Saturday night, how many different instruments will you be bringing onto the stage with you?
1: Well, I've decided, I had hand surgery this year. And uh, right after I was out there in June. And the recovery has been complicated, and I cannot play the fiddle to my satisfaction right now. So um, I'll have a guitar banjo, an auto harp, a piano, hammered dulcimer. And then I'm contemplating bringing this gut string copy of a a minstrel banjo from the mid-19th century that is fretless and just the funkiest instrument I own. And I just thought it would be fun to bring it because I have sort of a free pass for some instrument.
0: And the cool thing about playing at the Center for the Arts is you get to play Super Tramp's Steinway. Oh, gosh, yes.
1: I mean, there are some places I play on this tour where they have an electronic keyboard for me. Um, and granted, they're a whole lot better than they used to be. They, could, they can actually sound piano-esque, but to get a nice big Steinway, you yeah. know, with nine feet of string in front of you, it's, there's nothing else like it.
0: We're talking with John McCutcheon. He's going to be performing at the Center for the Arts in Grass Valley this Saturday night, 7 p.m. It's a benefit for our beautiful radio station, KVMR. And as I remember, there was a guy named Utah Phillips that kind of got you involved with Nevada City (laughs) and KVMR, and you started coming out, and you fell in love with us, I heard.
1: Well, Utah and I were just...
0: Musicians
1: don't get to hang as much as people probably think that we do Uh, because you try not to be in the same town on the same night working. And the other time you're at a festival and that's, those are our conventions festivals. That's the reason that musicians go to, you know, it's not to play in front of thousands of people. It's the fact that that's the only place you can go where people who do the same kind of work you do uh, are, and they convince you that you're not crazy and that you're not alone. Um, and Utah and I would always somehow end up doing a good hang at a festival. And uh, when I started coming out to California pretty regularly in January, 40 years ago, he just called me up one day and he said, hey, you know, there's this radio station that does Thursday night live shows at the Miner's Foundry. And I forget what that. Do you remember what the name of that show was? It
0: was, it was something like night, nighttime, or nightlife. Uh, yes, yeah, nighttime. I think it was. And uh, so I came
1: out, and um, and it was a, it was really an excuse to visit Utah, and for us to be able to spend more time than a, a festival affords. And um, and then it, it kind of felt right. Um, I loved the audience, I certainly loved the radio station, and uh, we just decided to keep doing it, and uh, it's a, a lovely habit.
0: Well, I think that you endeared yourself to our town. When uh, Utah passed away, you came out for his memorial and spoke out at a Pioneer Park, where we were all gathered to uh, celebrate Utah's life, at a baseball field, of course.
1: Yeah, of course, I've, I've, and Utah used to... T- <laughs> He used to tell me, you know, that I, I live not far from the Little League field and I walked down there and uh, he was complaining to me one day that he, he would go to the concession stand and they would refuse to sell him a hot dog because they'd say, we know you have congestive heart failure. You shouldn't be eating this. <laughs> and he would rail to me saying, can you go to a baseball stadium and not eat a damn hot dog during a game? And I remember during the, uh, during the memorial service, the concession stand was open and they were selling a quarter pound hot dog with cheese and sour cream. Oh. And they called it the Utah dog. <laughs> and I had to get one and eat it in Utah's honor.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I guess he could get a beat hot dog or something nowadays.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In in any event, it was, um, well, it was, Joanna uh, called me to let me know when Utah passed away and asked me if I wouldn't come out and deliver one of the eulogies. And it was, it was something that was an honor to do and something I felt I needed to do for me to just say out loud, because that's a lot of what this work is. You're saying out loud what you feel needs to be said or what people want to hear or what people need to hear. Um, And that's part of the trick of of doing this work. And um, somehow we mutually need one another for an evening every January. And I'm glad for the first time in three years we're actually able to do it back in January.
0: Well, you're going to be saying a bunch of words this Saturday night at the Center for the Arts. We've been talking with John McCutcheon. John, thank you so much, and we look forward to the show on Saturday.
1: Great. Can't wait to get out there. Thanks a lot.